You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin. I'm so glad to be with you here this morning. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about what your story is. And uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts, Acts 21, verses 33 to Acts 22, verses 21. Stories are powerful forms of communication. Some of you will know that in my spare time, in my spare time, when I'm not being a pastor, I'm a primary school teacher. And I've noticed that when I'm teaching a class of children, the times when the children listen most is when I tell them a story. It's when they pay the most attention, it's when they ask questions, and it's when they remember. Why is this? Because storytelling forms a connection. It creates a connection with the person who's listening. And as we read today's passage, we'll be hearing Paul using his story in a really powerful way. This is Paul, who was originally Saul. Paul, who had been a Jew and a persecutor of the followers of the way, or Christians as we call them. Paul, who had killed and imprisoned Christians. And then Paul, who had had a powerful encounter with the living Lord Jesus. And as a result, he decided that he was going to turn his life 180 degrees and spend the rest of his life telling people about this Jesus, who he had been persecuting other people for following. Just prior to the passage that we read today, Paul had felt that he should go to Jerusalem and uh, he'd been warned by many people that he would be persecuted if he went there. He was begged by his disciples not to go. He was prophesied to by Philip's four daughters and Agabus, the prophet, came and spoke to him and said, if you go, you will be tied and bound by two chains. But even after that, he knew that he must go even if death itself was what would happen when he got there. And once he was there, he did everything that he could do to fit in so that not to cause any issues. However, when he was in the temple, there were some people that saw him and caused a bit of, um, I would say, excitement, but that's probably not what it was, a bit of anger and riled all the people around. And as a result, lots of people came from all over the place uh, to come and kill Paul. And he was subsequently arrested and carried away. And that's where we pick up today's passage. So let's read together Acts 22, verses 33 through to 22, 21. You can either um, follow in your own Bibles. You can look it up online um, or have, I'm not sure if the whole thing comes up on the screen, but if it does, you can follow with us. So let's start. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some of the crowd shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed him kept shouting, away with him. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? Do you speak Greek, he replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the desert some time ago? Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. 
Having received the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were silent, he said to them in Aramaic, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defence. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. Under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as many of you are today. I persecuted the followers of the way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison, as also the high priests and the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go to Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and I was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Thanks be to the Lord for his word. Before we go any further, I just want to say that today's sermon is probably not going to be a deeply theological sermon. So if that's what you have come wanting, that's probably not what you're about to get. But it's more going to be a practical looking at what we saw Paul doing here and how we can apply that to our lives today. What is Paul's defense in the middle of the craziness? He told his story. His story was powerful. And I want to suggest this morning that you have a story to tell. I want to suggest that your story is powerful. I want to suggest that the Lord wants to use your story for his glory. Maybe you're sitting and listening today and you think, gosh, Jude, I'm not sure that I actually have a story. And we'll pick up on that later too. I think there are some things that we can learn from Paul here as he tells his story to the non-believers around him. It was actually really interesting. We, before we started this morning, we were talking to Ravi, who's on media here today, and he was telling us his story. So powerful, so uh, moving. And I just want to suggest that you have exactly the same story to tell too. 
When Archie and I were first dating, I lived in the very south of England, probably only about 30 minutes north of Brighton. And Archie lived in Maastricht in Aberdeen. And I remember so clearly the first time I came up to Aberdeen, the noise in the airport, the background noise on the bus, the background noise in the shopping centre sounded so different. I didn't really understand very much of what people were saying to me. The way people spoke was different. The words people used were different. Even the same word had different meanings. I spent a lot of time listening carefully, trying to understand what people were saying, what they were meaning, how they pronounced words, and how I should pronounce words too. Why? Because it was important to me. Communication is important to me. I want to get to know people, and I want to be known by people. Paul started in chapter 21, verse 1, by speaking to them in their own language. He spoke to them in Aramaic or in Hebrew, in a language that every single one of them listening would understand. And I want to suggest that when we share our story, when we share our faith, we talk in a language that people who don't know Jesus will understand. I was just speaking to someone the other day uh, who doesn't know Jesus about the tension that we have when we see some people healed and some people not healed. And why does God heal some people and why does God not appear to heal other people? And I said to them, you see, we believe in the kingdom now and not yet. And then I thought, goodness me, what on earth does that mean to somebody who doesn't know Jesus? I did go on to explain what I meant by that, but probably as soon as she heard that theological term, she probably switched right off. And I want to suggest that when we speak to people, we need to speak in a language that they understand. They need to speak in a language that they don't need to have been around church for years or have a theological degree to understand. We need to make sure that what we say can be easily understood. When I was down in the south of England and I had my first teaching post, my head teacher decided that he was going to come and watch a maths lesson. And after watching my maths lesson, he said to me that it was probably one of the best maths lessons I've ever watched. And I was so shocked. And do you know why? Because I was rubbish at maths at school. I really didn't enjoy maths at school. And it was probably the one subject that was like, please don't come and watch it because it's going to be absolutely awful because I have to work really hard to understand maths myself. And I think actually the reason that I was a good maths teacher was because I had to make it so simple for the children because I had to understand it myself first. They always say that to be able to explain things to children, you have to have a good understanding of something yourself. So if you want to speak a language that everyone else can understand, I want to secondly suggest that you keep it simple, that you don't make it too complicated. As I was preparing for today and I was thinking about speaking in a language that others could understand, I was reminded about the early disciples in the upper room in Acts 2. After Jesus had gone back up into heaven, they were saying, Lord, we're waiting for the promised gift. And then the Holy Spirit came upon them. And what did they do? The first thing they did was they started speaking in other languages. They went outside and I counted probably about 15 different places that were represented by the people around them. And every single one of those people could understand what the disciples were saying because each of them was speaking in a language that they could understand. And I'm not necessarily saying that with the help of the Holy Spirit, although 
potentially uh, you're going to start speaking in foreign languages. But what I am saying is that the Holy Spirit is our helper. I've been in so many situations where I've been talking about Jesus and suddenly I find myself sharing a story or uh, using an example that suddenly the person's like, oh, I really understand that. And I know it's not come from me. I know that in that moment, it's the Holy Spirit helping me and guiding me in my conversation. And at the end of today, at the end of my preach, I'd love just to have a wee opportunity to pray for us all, just to receive the Holy Spirit, to be our helper as we're speaking and telling our stories and telling our encounters about how uh, Jesus has changed our lives. So if you want to speak in a language that everyone can understand, just as Paul did. Let's not use big, long, complicated Christian words or theological jargon. Let's keep it simple and let's ask the Holy Spirit to help. Then what did Paul do next? After speaking in the language that everyone could understand, he shared with them the common ground that they had together. He started by sharing that he was a Jew, brought up in the same place as them, He shared that he'd studied under the same teacher and that he even used to persecute Christians just as they had. So when we want to share about Jesus, we need to find a common ground with people first. A number of years ago, actually while we were still at uh, City Church uh, or Catalyst, but in the city centre before we started leading our uh, site out in Inverurie, I'd felt challenged that I wanted to try and make sure that my Christian friends and my friends that I was meeting in the village were mingling because I wanted them to get to know each other and for people that didn't know Jesus to realize that those of us that did know Jesus were really quite normal and uh, quite like them too. And so I set up a crochet group, which kind of sounds crazy. And I remember James Juice mocking me for setting up my crochet group. Um, But, do you know, people started coming people from the village and people from church together. Now, it very quickly moved on from crochet. We did Christmas crafts together. We had mulled wine and mince pies nights where the women that were coming invited their husbands. Uh, We had pampering evenings. We had like the equivalent of Jamie Oliver nights, but kind of cards that you could buy. We had all sorts of different things. And soon it became that it was too big. It was just a thing that I did once a month, but it became too big for my house and do you know that nearly every single one of the people from the village have either come to church even if it might have been once or twice have either come to know Jesus for themselves or have come back to faith or come back to church uh, where they hadn't been for some time you see I was finding something common that we all had something we could bond over and suddenly maybe I seemed a little bit more normal And suddenly they thought, you know, if that person, if Jude could go to church, if these other people that are there could also go to church, maybe I could come to church too. And I felt challenged recently. Am I still doing things that will purposely see my different groups of friends mixing? And as I said before, at the time, we weren't leading our church in Inverary. We were just coming to uh, the city centre. And I was just thinking, what would church look like if every single person in the church was purposefully making sure they were finding common ground with people around them and mingling the two sets of friends? What would it look like? And I think 
the reason that we set up the interest connect groups was for that very reason was so that we could start seeing different people from different spheres of life coming together. And I want to challenge you today. Maybe you should be setting up a group. Maybe it would be, um, I, can't, I can't read my notes here, a knitting group. Maybe it would be a book group. Maybe it would be a walking group. Maybe it would be a baking group. Maybe it would be a craft group. Or maybe it would be an online gaming group. Or a football or a netball or a golf group. Let's make sure that we find the common ground with those around us. Not only that, but when we are sharing our faith with people, are we sharing that we understand where they're at? It was only this week in the office that one of our site pastors was relating a story that she was at a funeral and there were people who didn't know Jesus. And she was sitting next to somebody and she said, do you know, before I came to know Jesus, I used to think, I'm not sure that I could come to church. I'm not sure that I'm posh enough. I'm not sure that I would fit in. And she suddenly found herself saying all of these things about how she felt before she had come to know Jesus. And the person she was sitting talking to said, oh, yes, that's exactly how I feel. She found the common ground and the common feelings that she had before she met with Jesus that this person could relate to. So after Paul spoke their language, after he shared their common ground that he had with these people, he shared his story. He shared his encounter with Jesus. He shared the difference that Jesus had made to his life and what his life looked like now. Are we prepared to share our story? Are we prepared to share our encounter? Are we prepared to share the difference that Jesus has made in our lives? And as I was thinking about me sharing my story, about you sharing your story, about us sharing our story, I was thinking to be able to share our story, we need to have had our own personal encounters with Jesus. We need to have had our own personal moment with him, our own moment where we discovered him, a moment where we encountered him personally. Maybe it won't look like Paul's encounter. Maybe it won't look like Ravi here's encounter. Maybe there won't be any blinding lights or people speaking directly into our situations. But there will be a moment where you discover Jesus for yourself, where you discovered that he was real. In my Bible reading this week, Nicky Gumbel was relating a story that he'd heard from the famous actor David Suchet, uh, who is well known for his role in Agatha Christie's de um, detective series as Poirot. And he told about how many years ago he was lying in a bath in a hotel in America when he suddenly had the impulsive urge to read the Bible. So he got out of his bath and he managed to find a Gideon Bible and he started to read the New Testament and as he read, he encountered Jesus Christ. He started with Acts and he moved on to Paul's letters and then he moved to the gospel. And he says that in the New Testament, he just suddenly discovered Jesus and the way to live life. Maybe your encounter with Jesus is through the pages of the Bible. Maybe you've been taught about Jesus your whole life and it's been a slow realization that he is real, that he is who he says he is. When I was running the kids' ministry at our church, one of the things I would often say at training nights was that we don't want to just tell children about Jesus. We want to lead them 
to him. And as I was preparing for today, I had a really strong sense that there were people here who'd maybe never had an encounter with Jesus. And you're thinking, it's all very well telling my story, Jude, but I don't know that I've really got a story to tell. And in a moment, I'd love to pray that you would have an encounter with Jesus. And in fact, if that's you, maybe you could write it in the chat and we could pray for you in a moment. Then I felt like there was another couple of categories. The first is that um, maybe you encountered Jesus some years ago. And you know how if you've got a friend who you're trying to remember, you're in a group situation and you're trying to share about this friend. And uh, as you do that, you're kind of saying, oh, you know that person? Uh, Remember we met them? So it's all kind of woolly and not very clear and a little bit vague. Maybe your relationship is with Jesus is a bit like that. Maybe you encountered him some years ago. But do you know that Jesus wants to have a relationship with us daily? Jesus wants to continue meeting us. Jesus wants our relationship to be a daily encounter with him. I feel like for some of us, do you know, he wants to meet us afresh this morning. Wherever you are, whether you're in your kitchen, whether you're in your bathroom, whether you're um, in your lounge, whether you're still in bed, he wants to meet with you personally this morning and then I had another sense that there were some people who were living through somebody else's encounter maybe you're a young person and you're watching today and you're actually living through your parents encounter with Jesus maybe you're not a young person but you are still living through your parents encounter with Jesus maybe it's your spouse or your partner who knows Jesus and you're living through their encounter or maybe it's a friend Jesus wants to meet you personally this morning. Jesus wants to meet you here today. And if that's you, we would really, really love to pray for you. So why don't you just put it in the chat? I've got the chat here. Uh, I can see it. So if that's you, then just pop down and uh, we'll put, your, put a little hands up sign and I'll be able to find it really easily. And we can pray that you would personally meet Jesus. So let's recap. Paul chose to speak the language that everyone would understand. He started with what they had in common and he shared the encounter that he had and the difference that Jesus had made to him. He shared that his whole life had been turned around 180 degrees. And whilst all this is really helpful, I do think there are a few myths that we believe about sharing our faith that maybe hold us back. And Kate Newman, one of the pastors of Edinburgh Vineyard, shared a few of them at the leadership conference in her seminar. And I thought some of them might be really helpful for us just to remember this morning. So the first myth is that we feel like we need a script. Now, I enjoy sharing my faith with people, but I do often worry I'm not going to say all that I need to say. I worry that I might miss something out I worry that I might get something wrong I even remember one night when I was a student woke up in the middle of the night thinking I don't know that I know all the words to lead somebody to Jesus and I thought it was really helpful that she shared that we don't need a script if we were sharing about a friend or another relationship about someone that we knew we wouldn't have a script we would just share what it was that we did know The same goes for Jesus. You just need to share the Jesus that you do know. You just need to share what you do know about him. 
We don't need to have all the answers. In fact, if we did, it probably wouldn't feel like a very natural thing. The second myth is that we feel like we need to defend Jesus. Often when someone talks to us about Jesus and they have questions about him, it's so easy for us to get all defensive, to get sweaty palms and to get nervous that we're not going to say the right thing. But if someone was to ask you what your friend's favorite color was, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't start by defending them. You might start by saying, well, I'm, I'm not really sure, but I do know that she wears a lot of blue, so maybe blue's one of her favorite colors. But I tell you what, I'll find out. We don't get defensive about it. And the third myth is that we think that somebody else can do it better. You were created as you. You were put in the place that you are with the people that you know for a reason. It's not somebody else that was put there. It's you. Just do what feels natural to you. You won't do it the same as the person sitting next to you. You won't do it the same as I will. Leading a crochet group in your community might totally freak you out. But maybe you love baking and the thought of just popping some treats on your neighbor's doorsteps as a starter for conversation might come much more naturally to you. Maybe you love praying for people and that's something that comes really naturally to, to you. Our dog groomer uh, the other week had a funny rash on her hand the day that we went. And Archie, my husband, just said to her, hey, we're Christians and we wondered if we could just pray for you. Do you know what? It probably would never have crossed my mind. And even if it had, I probably would have totally freaked out about it. But we prayed for her there and then. But, you know, if she said to me that she was struggling, my more natural thing might have been, hey, should we go out for a coffee? Hey, should we go and hang out? And then maybe I might have ended up praying for her. I'm not sure. But we need to be free to be who God's created us to be and to follow the Lord's prompting in the moments that we find ourselves in. So what's your story? Storytelling is powerful. Let's speak other people's languages. Let's find what we have in common and start from there. And let's not be shy about showing and telling people the change that Jesus has made in our lives. Let's tell them about our encounter. And if we haven't had an encounter with Jesus for ourselves, let's do that today and let's receive uh, some prayer. So, you know, I'm just going to pray for us uh, this morning. I don't see anybody having written anything particularly uh, in the chat. I'm going to just pray that we would meet the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would meet us wherever we are at and uh, give us the words to say and help us to be able to share Jesus. I'm going to also pray that if you've not had an encounter with Jesus yourself, that you would encounter him this morning. So let's just uh, close our eyes together and let's just invite him. There's nothing we say to the kids, there's nothing special about closing our eyes, nothing magical just helps us to concentrate. And so, Lord, we just come before you this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us what we need to be able to share you with those around us. Lord, we think of the disciples in the upper room and we say, would you meet us? Would you meet us? Would you come and fill us with your spirit?
so that we might go out and tell people the good news about Jesus, about yourself, about the fact that you've taken all of the punishment for all the things that we've done wrong on yourself. And if we've not had an encounter with you or if we're living through somebody else's encounter, would we meet you for the first time ourselves today? Come, we pray. You know, as Freya and I were praying the other night, I had this picture, and the picture makes absolutely no sense to me, and it didn't really make any sense to him either. But I just feel like I should be obedient in sharing it. And I don't know whether it's for somebody who's watching that maybe there was a moment where you encountered Jesus or you called out to Jesus and you didn't really feel him in that moment. But the picture was of this bathroom and in the bathroom there was a toilet, funnily enough. Opposite the toilet there was a mirror and a sink and then to the left, if you were sitting on the toilet, to the left there was a bath and a shower with a shower curtain that was green. And I just feel like today, if that was you, and maybe it was that I had too much cheese or uh, I've got too much of a vivid imagination, but if you were that person that was sitting there crying out to Jesus, I want, I feel like you need to know today that he saw you, that he heard you, and that he wants to encounter you afresh this morning. So Lord, fill us and send us? Will we be like Paul, who's prepared to tell our story, even in the middle of massive persecution? Help us, Lord Jesus, we pray. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.